the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know this is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Here's your host, Bob Bender. Good afternoon, Colorado Springs, El Paso County. It's a joy to be with you this evening, wherever you are, trusting things are going well and trusting they'll go better after our time together this evening. Well, as we all know, this is Sanctity of Life weekend. Don't know if you've had the privilege of being at the March for Life in Washington, D.C. Beverly and I had the opportunity of being there several years ago due to Save the Storks' generosity. And Joe Baker sending us up there. That was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I hear that Jim Harbaugh was there today giving an encouraging speech, a national champion coach with the Michigan Wolverines. Don't know how much longer he's going to be there, but anyway, that's another story. Isn't it interesting that the pro-abortion yellers, not one of them, has been aborted? You ever think about that? Not a single pro-abortion activist has been aborted. Their parents were pro-life. I wish they would give that some thought. And the 70 million babies been aborted since Roe v. Wade passed, and praise the Lord, it's been overturned. The liberal liberal Democrats in particular— One stated, we've got an underpopulation problem. We need the illegal immigrants to pick the fruit and the cabbage from our fields. Otherwise, nobody would be there to pick them. Well, why is that? That's because we've aborted 70 million babies. Well, praise the Lord, the worm is turning, and our prayers are being answered. And we thank God for life. Thank God that we are pro-life. And the women and the guys, of course, involved in abortion decisions say, well, I, I want control over my own body. Well, doesn't the baby in your womb have control over his or her body? I would hope we would consider that. Well, let's go to God's Word. Today, I was reading in Exodus 14, Moses said to the people, do not fear. They're here. Now they got the Pharaoh's army on one side. They got the Red Sea on the other. They're caught in between. They're yelling and screaming and crying and complaining. And Moses says, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. And the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the children of Israel, to go forward. Friend, there is a time for prayer. There is a time for study. There is a time for counsel. And then there is a time simply to go forward. 
tell the son, the children of Israel, the sons of Israel, to go forward. And we're going to unpack this along with another wonderful story in the Bible that's going to minister to you this afternoon on Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Lord, we welcome you here and thank you for the opportunity of sharing. Thank you that one on one hundred point seven, the word is the word, and we're never disappointed here because your word shines through. May it do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. There is a line in the movie Dragon Slayer: When your dream turns into a nightmare, rise to the challenge and slaughter. The dragons. How quickly dragons or giants appear out of nowhere, turning our dreams into nightmares. They cause restless days and sleepless nights. They steal our joy and disrupt our peace. They become the focus of our anxious thoughts, negative emotions. I can think of no better talk we could have this evening, than the need for more dragon slayers. Tall order, but yes, we can. And where do we go in Scripture to find principles by which we can slay our dragons or defeat our giants? Is there a passage that records someone's experience in this matter? Was it David? I'm I'm struggling here. Did he ever have to fight a giant or a dragon? <laughs> well, as usual, you're ahead of me. First Samuel 17 records one of the greatest stories and most endearing passages that most people are aware of, and it is probably the most popular story in the Bible. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, even Tom Sawyer. When Judge Thatcher asked him the names of two of the apostles in the Bible, Tom blurts out the first two names he can think of, David and Goliath. <laughs> well, at least he had heard of them, as you have. And so, the big idea of our visit this evening is simply this. You can slay your dragon. Yes, you can kill your giant. The story of David and Goliath has been preserved for us to reflect the greater context of God overcoming his children's enemies. The Philistines were there to inherit the children of God's rightful place, the land of Canaan. The story illustrates the continuing descent of Saul without the Spirit of God and the ascent of David to his rightful throne, who possessed the Spirit of God. Thirdly, it becomes a model for us how we can slay our dragons or defeat our giants. And I bet this message is one you need as well. Paul writes in Romans fifteen four. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. That's my prayer for you as we relive this wonderful story. It's rich in symbolism. 
I mean, we're talking about the land of Canaan, which the Philistines occupied, but was God's dream for his children. He had said it was theirs. Claim it. Drive out the inhabitants. Take charge of it. God has a Canaan or a preferred future for you and for me. The potential for all you ought to be and do with God's help. Then there is a Goliath, a single challenge, or perhaps a multiple challenges in your life. You see, everyone has a Goliath looming large, standing and mocking you, telling you that you are defeated, finished, a failure. You are stymied in life, believing the lie that you cannot be what God wants you to be because of this obstacle, this giant Uh, Giants, dragons, they, they have different names. Moral failure or a besetting sin. A personality deficiency. Chronic illness. A severed or strained relationship. Financial hardship. Loss of a loved one. Marital or parental struggles. Tarnished reputation or misrepresentation educational or vocational setbacks, the loneliness of single adulthood or the challenges of being a single parent or divorce recovery. Their names are legion. We find ourselves immobilized and unable to get past our dragon to experience a victorious life. Most if not all of us, under the sound of my voice, are confronted with a dragon that needs slaying, we seem so helpless in the face of our formidable foe. They chase us down life's road and appear bigger than they are in reality. How, then, shall we respond? Join me in a moment as we continue this wonderful applicable, powerful story. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back. So glad to have you here this evening on my program. We're talking about the fact that you can slay your dragon. You can kill your giant There is the land of Canaan, God's preferred future for you. There is a Goliath who stands in the way, appearing bigger than he is in reality. What giant are you needing to slay? I've had about every giant you can think of in my life. I've had the experience of the giant of the loneliness of singlehood being falsely accused, in debt up to my eyeballs, life-threatening cancer in our family. I'm dealing with some chronic pain right now. I've had fruitless ministries and the challenging of parenting and grandparenting and being at peace with how God made me. There are all kinds of giants we face, but then there is a David meaning given by God. 
David was a despised red-headed runt of a boy rejected from military service while his three older brothers served in it. But God was working with him and in him and through him to confront his giant, and I want you to see yourself in David and Christ in you, because David is a beautiful picture of Christ. David sent by his father, scorned by his brothers, sanctified by the Spirit, and becomes a savior of his people. David is the Jesus in you. With that imagery in mind, let's quickly journey through this wonderful story. As every word is inspired by God for your benefit, and allow this story and its principle of you can slay your dragon, kill your giant, to resonate in you. First. Samuel 17, the ongoing war with the Philistines was about to enter a new phase, not only strategically, but geographically, as they were seizing land which belongs to Judah. Giants try to steal what is rightfully ours in God, and Judah was the tribe of praise. It steals our praise. Saul and the men, literally in the Hebrew man, as they were one in the Philist, as one unit, the Philistines, as they were fearful, and the eyes of the children of Israel, they stand opposite one another in the valley of Elah, the children of Israel standing in fear, because suddenly and strategically out of the Philistine army and into the valley steps a giant of a man named Goliath, called a champion, meaning a man of the space in between. He certainly fulfilled that calling. He stands nine feet tall with armor of 100 pounds with the spear weighing 20 pounds. Now you say, wait a minute, that's kind of unbelievable. A person nine feet tall? That's hard to swallow. Well, tallest man ever was Robert Wadlow. He was nine feet tall. He lived in the middle of the 20th century. So every word of God is true. It's interesting that the storyteller uses more words to describe his armor than to describe the battle, emphasizing the hopelessness of the situation. A bronze helmet clothed with scale armor and shin guards. The shaft of the spear was like a weaver's beam and so forth and so on. I'm telling you, it's a formidable sight. And so he shouts and taunts God's people. Choose a man among you, mano a mano. If you win and you won't, we will serve you. But if I win and I will, you will serve us. The people having no fear of God in their hearts fear man. And after stating his conditions of warfare, Goliath scoffs at the people of God every morning and evening for 40 days. Now that's interesting. 40, used as a period of testing in Scripture. As I said, every word is inspired. You can imagine how a giant's words day by day can wear you down like it did these folks. 
Are you allowing the giants in your life to wear you down day by day as you listen to the wrong voices between your ears? David then is introduced as being sent by his father to check on the welfare of his brothers, having not heard from them in 40 days. So David arose early in the morning and took the supplies as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the circle of the camp camp where the army was. Israelites and the Philistine in battle array, army against army. David leaves his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran into the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. What a different spirit the boy David has, getting up early in the morning, running into battle when called to a higher calling. He leaves his baggage, whereas when Saul was called, he was hiding behind the baggage. While Israel is governed by what they see, Goliath's size, David is governed by what he hears, Goliath's taunts. David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? It becomes a fulcrum and a center line of the whole chapter. Finally, God is taken off the shelf and put on the table. This is a wake-up call for God's people then and now. Is the Almighty God in your equation? As David personally inquires as to the reward for the victory as rumored, he discovered that it is the king's daughter. Ironically, this would make him an heir to Saul's throne, in addition to the fact that he has already been anointed to be the next king. And then we pick up the story. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard what he was saying, and his anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down, and with whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know of your insolence, for you have come down in order to see the battle. David says, What have I done now? (laughs) I think the operative word in that sentence is now. He had been living under the thumbs of his older brothers. This was not the first time David had been rejected by his brothers, reminiscent of Joseph and reminding us of Jesus. David turns his back on his brothers and listens to the beat of a different drummer. His vision, his victory comes from another source, the Almighty God of Israel, whom Goliath is mocking. Be careful whose voices you listen to. David's boldness now reaches the ears of the king who sends for him. God has finally orchestrated his chosen son before the rejected king to do battle with Israel's enemy. Ultimately, it is God who does our sending, even as he uses human instruments. David overcomes Saul's initial reticence of reminding David of his lack of battle experience by stating basically, I'm not going to, going to do battle as a warrior, but as an animal tamer of another animal. Saul says to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth, and he's been fighting since he was a youth. But David then recites his resume, his previous experiences of victory from the hand of the Lord. When a lion or a bear came to take a lamb, I went after and attacked them and seized them and struck them and killed them, both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. 
You see, dragon slayers and giant killers are made in private times with God in the secret place of the Most High. It is in the prayer closet where the battle is won and where David steps out of the presence of God to overcome his giant. And we will conclude our story when we return principles to live by as we're slaying our dragons and killing our giants. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Closer than a brother, there is no judgment. Welcome back, team. What do you do when the giants rear their ugly heads? David reflects on God's faithfulness to him in the past as he had spent time with the Lord as a shepherd and had overcome the obstacles of his past. And I want to encourage you, has God ever failed you yet? He never will, even in the midst of the giants that appear bigger than life. You see, while Israel had never seen armor like Goliath's, The Philistine had never seen a shepherd boy like David with a slingshot. Now, Saul doesn't take too kindly to the slingshot. He says, look, now, here, put on this armor. And he puts on his armor on David. And David's like wearing a brand new suit. "Ah, This is not going to work. This this hasn't been tested by me. It's not going to work. So he he puts it aside. What's, What's going on here? You see, when the battle is the Lord's, the armor of flesh will not do what you are trusting in to kill your dragon and your giant. Well, Paul says it has to be something different, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, and we would add the killing of giants, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. You see, when the battle comes and the Goliaths appear, I'm tempted to depend upon my years of ministry experience or formal theological education or the power of my persona, be that what it is, or the title of Pastor Emeritus or the momentum of church growth, but But I want to encourage you to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit for your success. The arm of flesh will not do God's armor and arm will. And so David simply utilizes what is at hand when he used in the fields. A stick, a staff, a slingshot. What's in your hand? Whatever is there, let God use it. And then five smooth stones picked out of the brook of Elah projectiles a little smaller than baseballs will be hurled from the shepherd's slingshot at more than a hundred miles an hour. Now, why five stones? Because David was a poor shot, right? No, because Goliath had four sons, and David had one son per giant, just in case they showed up. You see, just because you slay your giant doesn't mean that others are not on their way. The battle is now ready for the tallest man of the Philistines to meet one of the smallest boys in Israel. 
But it is amazing how small a giant becomes in the eyes of a shepherd boy with God on his side. The combatants come face to face at some distance from one another. I, I told a couple a couple of weeks ago, I ran into D'Angelo on the basketball court. Oh, what did he say? as I recounted this experience. No, I ran into D'Angelo on the basketball court. By the way, D'Angelo is twice my size, and when we collided, I was stunned and fell to the floor, requiring eight stitches in my head months ago. I tell people that at my age, all I have is defense, hustle, and trash talk on the basketball court. Speaking of trash talk, these men's words become more important than the battle itself as they trash talk to one another. Saul now makes the tragic mistake of stepping out of his role for a moment as a great warrior and asking David, am I a dog? This is a turning point of the battle. Goliath has forsaken his own terms for the battle and accepted David's. He threatens to give David's flesh to the birds and the beasts of the field. Not smart thing to say to a proven animal trainer. Saul also curses David by his gods. In a strike of irony, one of Saul's gods was Dagon, whose head had already been severed in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant when captured by the Philistines in 1 Samuel 5, 12 chapters earlier. A harbinger of things to come for Saul who was about to lose his head as well. Saul trash-talks this young boy. Who are you to come to me? David trash-talks in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, because the Lord does not deliver by man's armor, sword or spear, but by God's power. The battle is the Lord's. Once David had spoken these words, the fight was as good as over. Without hesitation, David runs into the battle, seizing the initiative. Taking one of the stones from the bag, he slings it at the Philistine, burying it in his forehead. Just as in 1 Samuel 5, when Goliath's god Dagon was found face down before the ark, a similar fate embraces Goliath. He didn't even have time to use his sword. David takes Goliath's sword and his head with it. God's word tells us many times over, that the idolaters become like the God they worship. Would you raise your eyes and see God on your side and worship the Lord God Almighty and be molded into his image, not only of Christ-likeness, but of godly victory? And so, as we reflect on this wonderful story, I want you to hear three principles of victory as you consider the giant you're facing and the dragon you seek to slay. You see, you can slay your dragon like David. I think the key here is that we embrace the attitude of an overcomer that we embrace the attitude of an overcomer. David had this attitude. Overcomer, 
I'm going to win this battle. There was no doubt in David's mind he was going to be the victor. He had the confidence of the Lord on his side, going boldly into battle. David had a lot to overcome. He had to overcome the dismay of the army, the disdain of his brothers, the discouragement of Saul, who tries to fit him in his own armor, and tells David even, you're not able to go up against this Philistine. You're just but a youth. You see, sometimes we have a lot to overcome, don't we? Overcoming these obstacles, he approached the Philistine courageously with the attitude of an overcomer. Giant killers and dragon slayers are neither chilled by cold receptions nor cooled by outward difficulties. The in the inner enemy, outer enemies, the infernal enemies, these are obstacles and challenges to overcome. Obstacles in the mirror are closer than they appear. Why? Because of our wrong focus. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. Would you take on the attitude of an overcomer? That term, overwhelmingly conquer, is one word in the Greek, hypernikamen, Nike, got their product from this verse, this concept of power of conquering. What's the difference between a conqueror and a more than conqueror? A more than conqueror is a conqueror because someone else has conquered for us. Our David, our Jesus, has overcome as we engage with him and ride his coattails, so to speak. We can have that same attitude. Let this attitude be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. How are you approaching your giant attitudinally? This is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. Enter this battle with faith, fortitude in our great God. And then I'll share two more principles when we return of how you can slay your giant. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back, team. We're allowing uh, this wonderful story in God's Word resonate with us because every one of us is facing a giant, a dragon of one kind or another. And how can you slay your dragon, kill your giant like David? First of all, embracing the attitude of an overcomer. God has delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, go and may the Lord be with you. Yes, indeed. Embrace the attitude of an overcomer. Two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. One was the optimistic soul, but the other took a gloomy view. We shall drown, he cried without more ado. So with a last despairing cry, he flung up his legs and said goodbye. Said the frog with a merry grin, I can't get out, but I won't give in. 
I'll just swim around till my strength is spent. Then I will die the more content. And so bravely he swam around in the deep cream bowl until it did seem his struggling began to churn the cream on top of the butter. At last he stepped and out of the bowl. At last he leapt. What's the moral of the story of the two frogs? Tis easily found. If you can't get out, keep swimming around. Have the attitude of an overcomer. Life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond. And so God will get you through your battle with your giant. I'm not promising he will take the giant out of your life, but he will get you through this experience one way or the other. Whenever I'm ministering to folks in crises, I always tell them the same thing. We're going to make it one way or another. We're going to make it. Well, how do you know? I know because God has never failed us yet, and he's not about to now. David prayed in Psalm 13.5. One version says, Answer me, for I know you won't fail me now. And indeed, God didn't, and he won't. Embrace the attitude of an overcomer. Secondly, engage your aptitude and experience. David had some physical resources that were committed to God. He had past experiences, you see. God has been at work in your life, in your giants of the past. You made it, didn't you? You're going to make it this time as well. What's in your hand? What resources do you have? He had the slingshot. He had the experience of being delivered previously from lions and bears. God has given you certain aptitudes or experiences you can rely on as from the hand of the Lord. Now, with David, we could probably say, God has never failed me, but he sure has scared me to death a couple of times. That's been our experiences, truly, hasn't it? But David said, the Lord who delivered me will deliver me. What's in your hand that you could use to slay your giant and kill your dragon? Is it some relationship? Is it a physical resource at your disposal? Is it some expert in a field, medical or whatever, financial? You see, God gave you a lot when he gave you a brain to think with it. Perhaps it's a small group or community you can share your challenges with. What resources can God give you? Perhaps it is a rhema word from God for your situation. Is it a memory of when God has delivered you in the past? I told you of the many giants I've had to face in my life. Guess what? God killed every one of them and either brought me from it or through it. This can be your experience as well. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. 
Proverbs 21, 31. So let's take what we have, like Moses. He gave his staff to God. It became the staff of God, and God used it. Whatever you have, give it to God and ask him to lead you onward and upward as you embrace the attitude of an overcomer. Engage your own aptitude and experience, your past experiences with the Lord, and encounter the altitude of God Almighty. Yes, God is on his throne. He reigns. He is the living God. Two verses in 1 Samuel 17. He is the Lord who will deliver you into my hands. Three times in in this chapter. I will come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, David states. So how big is your God? You know, we tend to gaze at our problems and glance at God. Could I encourage you to fix your eyes on the Lord, glance at your problem, and encounter the altitude of the Lord God Almighty who reigns, who is in control. Raise your eyes above your giant or dragon and see the Lord God Almighty. Raise your hearts and your thoughts and your spirits to the heavenlies where you and I live, where Christ is seated. You see, here's the deal. Your view of God determines the size of your problem and the scope of your solution. Again, your view of God determines the size of your problem and the scope of your solution. You see, David had to experience victory over himself before he could experience victory over Goliath. The army said, look, Goliath is bigger than us. David said, look, Goliath is smaller than God. Your battle belongs to the Lord. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Have you factored God into your battle? Your attitude and faith in the Lord God Almighty overcomes all obstacles, particularly those between our ears and in our hearts. What about the giants still in the land after they conquered Goliath? What about those after what we have done what we could? Again, you must first experience victory over the giant between your ears, and then we'll face the ones in the land. You see, God leaves some giants in the land so that you can learn warfare, Judges 3, verses 1 and 2 so that we can learn how to fight and how to be strong. Whether your giant dissipates or not, as some will always be with us like a chronic illness, you still have the upper hand over him. So take out the stone that you have been given. Consider the greatest giant you are facing. Take this rock. Pray a prayer like this. Lord, I have this giant. Name it in front of me. It stands in the way of your preferred future for me. I believe you are greater than my giant. I ask you for that attitude of an overcomer. I ask you to show me what aptitudes or resources in my experience bank that you have for me to use to kill my giant. Ultimately, I ask you to take me into the heavenlies where you dwell so I can engage your greatness and your glory that puts my giant in its place beneath the feet of your everlasting power and glory. Yes, my friend, when your dream turns into a nightmare, rise to the challenge 
and slaughter that dragon, kill that giant, you can slay your giant. I pray the victory is yours as you move forward in the Lord. God love you. I love you. Have a great weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.